0: everyone, welcome to the fifth episode of Weaving Myths Season 3. Weaving Myths is a podcast focused on tabletop role-playing games and specifically playing them through the play-by-post format. I'm your host, Nathan, and joining me today is Amy. Hello! Colin. Hello, everyone. And Eric. Good evening. We are all moderators or administrators on MythWeavers, except for Amy. We'll get to that in a second one of the largest play-by-post gaming websites in existence, and we're here to help you bring your game to the next level. If you're not familiar with Mythweavers, you can find it at myth-weavers.com. As always, we are joined by the impeccable text chat, which members of Mythweavers are using right now to ask questions and contribute to the discussion. At least I think they are. I can't see the Twitch chat right now, so I'll check in a second. If you too would like to be part of the text chat, which I will check in a second, feel free to join us on the Mythweavers Twitch channel every other Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This week, we are going to be talking about breaking out of your comfort zone and some tropes and how they relate to RPGs. We also have special guest Amy, who is right up here.
1: Hi, Amy! Amy, who is having technical difficulties.
2: (laughs) Wave for the camera, Amy. Yeah, really. Wave! (laughs) Not that kind of wave. That's the wrong gesture. Don't do that one.
1: Aww.
0: So, obviously, Ruben is not with us tonight. He's got some other things going on. So... We have invited Amy to join us. Amy is one of our most consistent and most generous patrons. She helps us with a lot of stuff behind the scenes and doesn't really get a lot of credit for it. But um, we're officially recognizing what she does for the show right now because today's
3: topics were written by none other than Chibi Amy. So I'd like to point out when he says helps out behind the scenes, he really means every time and it's a lot we go, crap, what do we talk about? Amy is the one that bails us. Yeah, basically. Pretty much. Yeah, Amy is pretty much the -the behind-the-scenes show.
1: I have ideas. That's about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And she trusts us to bring them to fruition, which is pretty crazy if you ask me.
1: Well, I haven't until now.
2: Fair enough. All right. So, since... We're all kind of out of our comfort zone. That's probably a good topic to start with tonight. Awkward silence.
0: Yeah, talk about breaking out of your comfort zone. So when we're talking about breaking out of your comfort zone, really what we're talking about is trying something new in a role-playing game specifically. We're not talking about like, oh, I'm going to go ride a roller coaster today, although that would be really cool. But what we're more talking about is this game I'm going to try playing a different class than I'm used to or I'm going to try a new system that I'm not really that I've never played before. That's kind of what we're getting at with the breaking out of your comfort zone thing. It's more of a expanding your horizons as far as RPGs and play by post go.
2: Play by post is a great format for reasons we've already talked about, but specifically because you can have multiple games going on in parallel. So this doesn't have to be something that you have to jump whole hog in, my entire gaming experience is going to be centered around this new thing that I'm not entirely sure that I like yet. You can say, I'm going to dip my toe in the water and play this one game while I'm playing these other three or four, depending on your uh, your load leveling, where you uh, have things that you can fall back on where you know that you're, uh, you're comfortable playing with it. So Mythweavers is a great site for, uh, for branching out with the Play by Post format.
0: And you know, with Play by Post, it's also if you decide you're really not comfortable with what's going on it's also super easy to say you know this isn't for me i'm going to step out and there's not really any repercussions there there's no ill intent it's it's a very friendly society to be in where you can come and go kind of as you please and it's not a huge deal if you need to drop out it's not like a table actual at the table game where Oh no, this person dropped out. Now we have to panic and try to replace them.
1: The other good thing about the play by post is it's not that real time. And you can turn to the other players going, I don't know this class. I don't know what to do. Do you have suggestions? What would make sense? I'm thinking this. And then somebody can say, Well, you can do this. And that tends to really help to break you out, to try new things, especially if you have questions about the system.
2: That can be particularly helpful on systems which are more crunch-intensive, where knowing how the different abilities interact with each other is important to playing the character effectively. It can be kind of daunting if your background is fate and you want to jump into Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. There's a whole lot of very fiddly bits that you could uh, easily... Spend hours and hours, and people do spend hours and hours wrapping their mind around how to optimize this for this particular purpose. With fate, you just kind of go, "This is what I want to play," and you lay down your uh, your aspects and your and you're kind of running off. It's pretty easy with uh, 3.5. It can be easy to find those trap zones where you think that this ability should be what you're looking for, but it ends up just a rabbit hole of disaster. explain player base. Sorry, Eric, running over you there. No, that's all right. We'll get back in the groove eventually where we're reading each other's minds. We haven't done this for a couple months.
3: So like was already mentioned, that breathing room is nice in the play-by-post format because it does it gives you that moment to consult the Mythweavers Discord to look at, in the case of systems like 5th Ed D&D or 3.5 Ed D&D Pathfinder, you've got time to consult the system reference documents online. There's no You don't have to worry about that table that's sitting and waiting for you to make a decision
2: with something with which you're unfamiliar. Wait, I need to thumb through to page 285? No, no, page uh, 133. Oh, wait, no, it's in this PDF that I've got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Playboy Post gives you a day maybe to look through it and figure it out. Another big advantage of breaking out of your comfort zone is a lot of us have character concepts that are very near and dear to our heart like i could probably play a swashbuckler drop in in any game and be fine but i'm not a wizard if i want to be a wizard i have to get into a completely different state of mind and if we took that to the next level and said i need you to be a psionist or something for shadow run that's not going to be for me but if i go play that psionist in shadow run now i at least have the experience of what it's like I may not be great at it the first time, but guarantee that character is not going to look like my swashbuckler for the most part.
0: And, you know, we talk about this all the... Well, maybe not all the time, but we have mentioned it a couple times before that when you're applying for games and trying to get into games, it's really good to not recycle characters so you get that experience under your belt. And I think this is probably my favorite thing about play-by-post is that you almost never play the same character twice. So you end up almost forcing yourself to break out of your comfort zone and be like well for this game I'll try this or for this game I'll try this and the mix of systems the mix of ideas and flavors and homebrew worlds and like just
2: all those things make it so easy to do and the Nathan's caution is well put the gm community is pretty well known pretty small robust but it's a set set of people who tend to gm the games if you recycle characters they're gonna find out and that will just be a mark on you of, oh, this person doesn't really personalize to my game. It'd be harder to get in. So Nathan's point is spot on. Don't go about recycling characters.
1: (laughs) I admit I've actually had one character concept I've tried twice. I still love the concept, but I'm moving on from it because, again, that's recycling too much. And I have a sailor who is terribly seasick i loved playing her and i would play her again in a heartbeat but it's time to move on and try other things because sometimes you just hear an idea that you're like oh my gosh i want to try that i want to be the rebellious teenager who joined the good guys because she's rebelling against her evil queen mother
2: and we did have another episode on Those characters that you always wanted to play but never really got the opportunity to because either the game folded or there just wasn't the right game out there that you could get into. So, some level of recycling can honestly be tolerated as long as you're limiting it to not playing full length games with the same character time after time after time.
3: I was going to say, there are exceptions. If you haven't used that concept for a while, there's no issue going back to it. Or if you're taking a broad concept, but you're still adapting it to that world. That's gonna be a little different than, hey, I've got the same character with the same background that's recycled over and over again.
0: I think that's important regardless of what you do. Like, even if you're not trying something new and breaking out of your comfort zone, I think it's important that when you do make a character, regardless of whether it's something new or not, you try and make them specific for the game that you're playing And also flesh them out to the point where if you're not really sure what you as a player should be doing, your character can kind of guide you into what they should be doing. So it helps ease that transition from, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, but my character clearly does. So my character would do this and go in that path. And that kind of got, it's a cycle almost. Like you get feedback from your character and then they guide you to the next step of immersing yourself in this brand new character that you've never played before.
2: we spent a lot of time here talking, I'm going to go off script a little bit, talking about players expanding out of their comfort zone. Do we apply the same logic to a GM expanding out of their comfort zone?
0: Absolutely. I think a GM's greatest tool is to play and run as many systems as possible. Because all of a sudden, when you get a dozen systems under your belt, you kind of start to realize the similarities and differences and you can kind of look beyond the system and be like, okay, these are the things that make a game tick and use those in any game. So like Stars Without Number has a lot of overlap with other systems. So you can apply concepts from that to basically any other game
3: to help make every game better. And it's also worth noting not just trying different systems, but trying different genres. And just because she's not on, I can't yell at me not to a good example is call me fate from myth weavers is planning on running a stars without number game. And sci-fi is something she doesn't really run much of. Actually, I don't think she's ever run a stars without number game. So well, it Stars Without number or sci-fi. So stepping outside of your comfort zone with genre and setting is a wonderful thing to do too. Like don't, Lock yourself down to, I only ever run fantasy. Therefore, you know I'm gonna stick with fantasy, even if it's minor jumps. If you go from classical high fantasy to urban fantasy, don't be afraid to branch out in the subgenres, even if you don't want to take a big jump into a different one.
1: Well, yeah. I've also found, sorry, no,
2: no. since <laughs> I can't I've see you, but-
1: that. Myth Weavers is a really good community and helpful in general. And your players will typically understand if you say, hey, like I'm new to this, but I want to try it. They'll be patient. They may even offer suggestions in situations that you're not sure what to do with.
2: That was exactly what I was going to say. And do listen to those suggestions. Do take them openly. They are trying to help. In general, no one's trying to just be that guy who's trying to ruin your new game experience they're coming at it from a different perspective because they've played this system before, they've played this genre before, they have an idea of what they're looking for. They can be an asset to help drive your game just by taking that experience and saying, let's point over here and and run with that for a while. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but just floundering on your own and and feeling like, oh, this is hard and it's not comfortable because it's not my zone. That's hard too. So be receptive.
0: You know, it always, it always comes back to that same thing we say over and over and over communication, communication, communication. It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're communicating, you're
2: doing it right. <laughs> what we're really talking about is very specific. Well, we're talking about it in specific in the context of play by post, but this broadly applies to life in general. If you just stay in a lane that's this narrow and you never branch out to the left or to the right, you're going to end up not knowing what to do in certain circumstances because when a curveball comes at you, you only recognize fastballs. So branching out and play by post is a microcosm of branching out the rest of your life.
3: I can't hold push to talk and clap, but yay, officer speech.
2: <laughs> you know, I Thank you, man. <laughs> should be get your clap track going. <laughs> Um, no, I that actually, was my
1: elbow holding the push to talk. <laughs> <cup. laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually had a situation like that in real life recently where I was interviewing for a position at the company I work for. And one of the questions they asked me was, I see you've published a book, but you're studying math at school. How did that come about? And I, I'll admit, I didn't really have an answer, but after thinking about it for a while, I realized, you know, doing the same thing over and over just gets boring, for me at least. You know, you have to find new ways to stretch your mind and creativity. And if I can get a little science for a second, there have been studies out there that show that when you're learning a new skill or learning or trying something new and creative, that your brain is actually growing during that process. So doing different things even outside of MythWeavers, but also inside of MythWeavers, it's both, contributes to that healthy mental stimulation and mental growth
3: that I think is very important. It's also worth noting that the studies have also said your head hurting from learning too much is because of neurons. <laughs> Just that saying. About, that sounds about right. <laughs> Headaches from those complex concepts are good for you. You know, like figuring out the... uh Squeezing rules in 3.5. Oh, God, please, no.
1: Oh, my. Yes.
0: I invite you to a grapple. No. No.
1: Oh, <laughs> my brain. <laughs> All right. How sciencey do we want to get?
2: No, not. Nah, I'm I'm fine okay. with sciencey. Hey, oh, sciencey, God. it helps your brain to grow. Let's go sciencey, Jimmy. I love science. Okay.
1: So there was a uh, study done where. Uh, It was an Alzheimer's study. They were looking at these nuns who basically lived their life in this convent, who did a lot of meditation, who did a lot of reading, who did a lot of physical activity. And yes, most of it was wrote. They would constantly get more books in and read more books and things like that. They found that when the nuns died, they should have showed signs of extreme advanced Alzheimer's, but it's... The meditation and learning new things constantly created more neurons to go around the plaque that was building up that caused the Alzheimer's.
0: I have not heard of that study before, but that is really cool.
2: Work your brain. Uh, Work work your brain.
1: This is what I do when I get bored. I just (laughs) peruse.
2: Well, next time if we get Ambika on here, she uh, she could regale us with stuff that's in her area of specialty.
1: That would be and fantastic.
2: Beacon's specialty is terrifying. Um, for anyone that's the not
3: rest aware, she does computational linguistics. We made jokes about generating name tables for races and DNA. I remember that. Yeah, this. exactly. You I remember, remember this that now. <laughs> in 30 minutes, she had 100 male and female names for dwarves and orcs that were phonetically in line with that intended feel for the system.
2: And she said it was easy. Just write some code, man. Database lookups, not that hard.
1: She's, yeah, I've had conversations with her and it's just, and that's off topic. Wow.
3: (laughs) Welcome to Weaving Myths, where we tank. Hi, Marlana. That's
0: that's all right. We thrive on off topic. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so we made lots of good arguments for why to expand out of your comfort zone, but don't take it too far. I mean, there's a reason why your comfort zone is your comfort zone. It's a place to come back to, a place that feels good, that's easy, that's your groove, if you will. So don't abandon it entirely, certainly. There's plenty of reasons to keep doing what you're doing, especially if you have players who are having fun doing it right now. No reason to abandon that just because, oh, I want to try something new.
1: Kay's Todd on the Twitch chat was talking about how a certain type was there, like Snuggy. It was comforting, and they come back to. And comment I made is, every once in a while, maybe stray from that Snuggy so you can appreciate it more, why it's your comfort.
3: When you run screaming back to, I mean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here's the plug for Colin's next attempt at the starts Without Number game. Hey, that game's still running. Comfort zone, man. Comfort
3: zone. (laughs) Certain players are a little slow in posting sometimes.
2: Whoever could that
3: be? Now, now, don't finish the entire beer out of... (laughs) It was for dramatic effect, okay? I watched that liquid level
2: drop. Well, yeah, I drank some of it. (laughs) All right, anyway. (laughs) Have we covered this topic in sufficient depth? Oh, God,
3: if we keep covering it, we're going to tangent more... Well, Moving OK, I, I do on. have I do have one last point or maybe not a point, but one last tangent. What There
0: is an argument that exists out there that staying in your comfort zone is better. And I know that probably most of us here don't agree with that. But I do think that there is such a thing as going too far and that it's important to find a good middle ground where you can be both in your comfort zone and stretching yourself. I don't think it's necessary to go entirely outside of what you're comfortable with, but just be aware that there is an argument to be had as far as staying at least partially within your comfort zone.
2: And to be fair, I mean, if you're a person who doesn't feel like doing math a lot, your comfort zone of doing freeform-ish or or simple rules-like games maybe not be a bad place to be in if it really makes you uncomfortable to go do all the number crunching that you need to do to go do a very heavy system then you're just not going to enjoy it even if you like the genre of the game that you're in so maybe take that genre pair it with one of the simpler more straightforward systems and go run with that for a while there's plenty of ways to short make short leaps out of your comfort zone rather than uh, diving headfirst
3: and I think, I think as we move forward to, we're going to be, as we start working back into the groove and start working in the occasional weaving myths does tabletop, we're going to try to exhibit more of the complex systems and more of the simple systems. I'm still campaigning for someone to run all out of bubblegum
2: one night. I could do that. I mean, I'm, I love those little one-shot things. So that's my comfort zone. Maybe <laughs> I shouldn't do it. Maybe maybe uh, someone else to do it. Does someone
3: have a link to All Out of Bubblegum to drop in the chat? Because that's, that's magnificent and worthy of reading. All two paragraphs of it.
0: AU says, I'll run GURPS sometime. And, you know, funny story. I thought I was really going to enjoy GURPS because I really enjoy 3.5 and Pathfinder. I do not like GURPS. I tried it once, made a character with it, played a game for a little while. And, you know, it's just... It's a
2: bit too far into the crunch scale for me. You do Middle Earth role playing. That's a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of rolling. It's got multiple critical tables for practically every action you could contemplate.
1: And yet I love it. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to trip over that invisible squirrel.
2: <laughs> okay, right, my character right. died after falling down a staircase breaking his neck and impaling himself on the crossbow bolt that that he was trying to load in his crossbow to launch when he reached the top of the stairs.
1: Well,
0: clearly you were doing it wrong. You're supposed to shield surf downstairs. Obviously. Legolas.
2: (laughs) This was way before Legolas even contemplated shield surfing. (laughs) Otherwise I would have done it.
3: I would like to point out for the text chat following us now, I have linked the uh, all-out-of-bubblegum rules. For those of you watching the recording, we'll make sure there's a link
2: available. Because I'm here to do two things, and I'm all-out-of-bubblegum.
3: Wait,
0: is this literally the entire rules? Yes. Oh, Oh, man, this has got to be good. We can
3: wait. We can wait just to watch your reaction to the... Oh, boy. Okay, this has got to be good. Like... I'm Actually, already read it off for us. Read it off.
0: You want me to read it? Okay, it's short enough. I'll read it. All right, let's read this. All Out of Bubblegum. This game is copyright 2001 Michael Epoch Sullivan and Jeffrey Grant. If you want to repost it or whatever, drop me an email. There's no email listed. Characters in All Out of Bubblegum have one stat, bubblegum. It's technically a number which varies from 0 through 8, though... The designers highly, highly recommend that you don't do anything so banal as write down a number and instead pass out actual sticks of bubblegum to the players. I already like it. (laughs) This will also help when you play all out of bubblegum drunk, which is, let's be blunt, probably the only time you'd even consider playing this game. Bubblegum always starts at 8. Resolution. Any action which does not fall under the broad category of kicking ass is resolved by rolling a D10. If the number rolled is equal to or less than the amount of bubblegum the character has left, then the character succeeds in the task. Any action which falls under the broad umbrella of kicking ass is also resolved by rolling a D10. However, in this case, you wish to roll greater than the amount of bubblegum that you have left. All right, so when are we playing this?
1: next
3: Weaving Myths does (laughs) table.
2: Yeah, it's not the week of
3: Thanksgiving.
1: All out of bubblegum, there was one man who couldn't roll below eight.
3: Oh, Oh, hey, here's here's the uh,
2: full thing. Oh, is that that not really the full thing? The best part is when you continue to lose bubblegum, you get progressively better at kicking ass. (laughs) So eventually you are completely Complete (laughs) badass. All
3: right, here I've got (laughs) I've I've got the rest of it. So losing bubblegum, whenever you fail a non-combat roll, you lose a stick of bubblegum. You may also sacrifice a stick of bubblegum before the roll to ensure success. Bubblegum also rates your damage. If someone else succeeds in a roll of ass kicking against you, you lose one stick of bubblegum. Zero bubblegum. You lose your last stick of bubblegum, you are officially all out of bubblegum. You may no longer attempt any kind of non-ass-kicking activity. Simple devices, like, say, the handles of doors, confound you. (laughs) Eerily enough, you have no problem field-stripping a 50 caliber machine gun to clear a jam in 15 seconds flat. However, you will automatically succeed in any ass-kicking-related activity. You are a nearly unstoppable ball of bubblegumless fury. When someone else succeeds in an ass-kicking roll against you, they roll a d10. If they roll a 10, you are knocked out. If they roll a 1 through 9, they've only succeeded in making you, if possible, even more angry. <laughs> However, bear in mind that it's relatively easy to trap a zero-bubblegum person in a situation he's totally incapable of dealing with. There you go. Think up your own damn adventures and campaign setting.
1: In a world where you're all out of bubblegum.
2: <laughs> and and, and other side, in a hallway outside.
1: with closed doors.
2: So that's yeah, fantastic. that's probably
3: going to be a Weaving Myths Does tabletop with Eric Run. <laughs> and all of us will probably be in the recommended...
2: Everyone else? Well, maybe not Amy. Maybe not Amy.
1: I don't need it.
3: But Amy maybe. will be dying laughing watching Run.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's all ready to kick ass. Yeah, I just, I just don't
1: need to get drunk. I'm already a little tipsy with
3: Fair enough. All right, anyway, so now that we've tangented horribly, because Nathan (laughs) wanted to say one last thing. All right, let's move on to the next topic. So now
0: we're going to talk about RPG tropes. So how do I segue into this topic? RPG tropes is, well, first of all, a trope, I should note, is a tool or building block used to construct a story or... And when I say story, I mean any story. I mean a book, a movie, a TV show, an RPG, a video game. Like, it's something that is used not necessarily universally, but is used to help create and build whatever it is you're trying to make. Like the evil genius. Exactly. So, like, if you need a villain, your trope for the evil villain might be evil genius. Or if you need a setting... The setting might be, I don't know, fantasy. I don't, I don't know if fantasy is technically a trope because it breaks down into like a bunch more tropes. But there's probably a general
2: overarching alternate earth. Yeah. So you could look it up, but once you fall into (laughs) TVTropes.org, forever will it dominate your destiny? (laughs) I ain't coming after (laughs) you.
0: So. Before we get into this, we're going to specifically be talking about RPG tropes or tropes used in role-playing games and tabletop role-playing games. And um, we would be remiss if we did not provide a link to the TV tropes page for tabletop RPG tropes. Why did the of God, why did on. the bot
2: just block me from sending that link? Because it knows that once people <laughs> fall into TV tropes, they never come out.
3: Thank you, Colin. Don't do it, man. Nathan, don't you run this Twitch channel?
0: I'm not logged in as the Weaving Myths account. Ah, uh, yep. that's why.
1: Forever, it will dominate your destiny if you follow it. <laughs> but it's funny. So,
0: awesome. um, fair warning, use TV Tropes at your own risk. I have spent way too much time on that website. I had to stop going to that website. I actually had to install an add-on into Chrome to stop me from going to that website for a while. So, it's bad.
1: Nathan, Nathan
0: what come out of the shell uh, shock <laughs>
1: yeah are, are you gonna PTSD, be
2: PTSD okay? man oh my god that that website will ruin you <laughs> all right but they're called tropes for a reason because they are common entities which you can use to relatively easily put together just about darn near any story you want like killing it only makes it stronger uh, don't don't uh you don't want to see my second form This isn't even my
0: final form. Before we get into this even more, I have one last little tidbit. I want to note that tropes are not necessarily inherently good or bad. There are some tropes that are done to death, and some people perceive them as being annoying or silly because they've been done so many times. But ultimately, they're not like no trope is better than another. They all are just tools that we use to build stories. So
1: We all use them. We really do. I mean, every t- kind of character concept you come up with, like I said earlier, the rebellious teenager rebelling against the evil queen, her mom. You may think it's original, but Shakespeare, Shakespeare was like, all the plays have been told, all the stories have been told. They were, they're just going to be twists on the same thing.
3: Nothing new under the sun.
1: Thank you. That was the quote I was trying to remember.
2: Here for you. I got your back. Yeah. Like, how many of us as GMs have used the, and everyone meets in an inn to start their first adventure?
0: Been there, done that. Colin, don't you lie. Nothing wrong
2: with that unless you start every adventure that way, at which point your players are going to laugh at you. I mean, my stars that number game
3: started. To be fair, it was them awaiting you know, job select. It's the same thing. (laughs) In play-by-post... If you do a pregame out of character or a pregame in character thread just to get a feel for play styles and post styles on the characters themselves, it's really hard to do a in character pregame thread that's not in
2: a bar. But does that count as the game starting in an inn? It doesn't even have to be an inn. I mean, I ran a sci fi game and they started in a diner. <laughs> it's like a bar an inn, a tavern, whatever. its So even yeah, the tropes have yeah. even slight subtle variations to them.
3: Oh Lord, oh, Lord, Burly Beard Gaming just wandered.
1: Well, I mean, one pregame, we were in the mess hall as we were about to be deployed. I mean, it's—it it is kind of the same thing, but it is a good gathering place to talk to people as far as in-game stuff. I think one I did was, again, in a tavern, But they were hanging up things in the background for the festival, a festival that was starting. So people were talking about the festival and stuff. Anyway, that is way off topic. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) No, no, you you don't understand. We specialize in off topic. (laughs) So from the link I sent earlier, or well, Colin sent earlier. It would be really difficult to go over every trope on the list because there's so darn many, and there are even bigger lists for other categories elsewhere. This is just the tabletop RPG one. There's one for video games and movies and all that stuff. So there are a few that kind of jumped out at me as fairly common and effective. And some of these, you might laugh, but because they're so like core to what an RPG is, but they're really common, and they do what they're supposed to do. So, an adventurer is you. Basically, the party and heroes are adventurers. That's 99.9% of RPG games. They have character customization. They include critical hits, usually. Are there any systems that don't have critical hits?
1: Not that I can think of off the... uh, Fate doesn't. Okay. Some of the others may... Some of the more lighter weight ones, but... I mean, yeah...
3: Does Rysis have
2: criticals? Eric, you're muted. Dang it, I turned on push to talk for good <laughs> reasons. Called laundry. You <laughs> know it's um, terrible Merlana doesn't say hi back. <laughs> well, that's partly because I pushed to talk on now. Because otherwise, she'd probably say other things. Like, why did you drag him into this at 7.50 on a Saturday night? Because that's, that's the time that's we turn. always have it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's carry on. Uh, I mean, An Adventure of You is so fundamental to what we do in terms of tabletop RPGs. Your characters are special. They're different than the ordinary people. They stand out and they want to do things that the average person would say, you are absolutely crazy out of your mind. Why are you leaving this nice warm hobbit hole to go on an adventure?
0: And, you know, there's even more. I mean, like, you've got dungeon crawling, you've got in and out of character, the distinction between those. Like, that's not something I initially thought would be a trope, but it makes complete sense that it is one because you have to make that distinction between what's happening in the game and what's happening out of the game. So, like, that is a storytelling tool that you use to distinguish between this is what's actually happening in the story and this is what's not happening in the story. And then... This is the one that kind of blew my mind the most, that it's actually a trope. Non-player characters are a trope.
2: Like, what? (laughs) It's really important to distinguish between the characters who have agency in a story and the characters who are just along for the ride and get affected by what goes on elsewhere. This happens in every sort of media. It doesn't have to be a tabletop role-playing game. Go watch ER. There are the docs who make stuff work And there are the nurses who are just there to, or nurses, docs, what have you. So I'm not going to discriminate based on role. There are people who are just there to hold that piece of gear and look good doing it.
1: And again, getting kind of back to our earlier conversation, it's branching out and trying characters and stuff. You have the trope, but it's how you put your spin on it that makes the character engaging and interesting. You're not just the young brilliant doctor you're the young brilliant doctor who's afraid of blood
2: oh so my cousin <laughs> hey how do you hide a dollar from an internist put it underneath a bandage how do you hide a dollar from a surgeon put it in the book how do you hide a dollar from a plastic surgeon no no you can't do it <laughs> hashtag dad jokes tangent
3: eric's fired <laughs>
1: Tangent sound effect that that
2: would (laughs) go (laughs) well. I probably shouldn't have done that because now it won't come back. I bet. Oh no! There it is. Okay. (laughs) Oh my god! Technical difficulties is my speciality. All right. Well, we've already given the don't go down the TV tropes rabbit hole. That's because there's a lot of bad things in there that people will throw popcorn or Cheetos or Mountain Dew at you if you pull at them again for the 18th time. Especially if you stack them up. Oh, yeah. So you're all in
3: the tavern when this wounded old man bursts in the door out of the
1: Is it secret? Is it safe? Heroes,
2: (laughs) I have a quest for you. Oh, that's so convenient. We were just sitting here drinking our beer and hoping that a quest would fall on us.
1: As a giant exclamation point falls out of the sky.
2: (laughs) Another one that's worth
3: mentioning. Where was I? Oh, I don't have that one open. Lawful, chaotic, stupid. And I don't have it open. I'm finding it. So if someone's got it
2: open, Nathan.
3: Nope, I don't have any of these open.
2: I mean... (laughs) Lawful, chaotic, stupid is one that exists for a reason. It's because ultimately you have people who say, well, this is what a character of my alignment would do. And I personally, as the player, despite having full agency over it, refuse to possibly override any dumb decision that my alignment might dictate. Oh God, please don't. As a paladin, I am honor bound to turn in the thief in my party to the local <laughs> jurisdiction as soon as we get there boy that party didn't last very long
1: uh,
2: <laughs> or the
3: rogue that constantly steals from all their companions well the kinder speaking <laughs> of cousin doctor afraid of blood
1: fine fine
3: she did that <laughs> all the
1: time oh no terrible terrible i made that mistake once
3: oh, we never caught it. She'd sit next to the game master and just pass notes back and forth.
2: So you went to something on your character sheet and the GM said, oh, no, you don't have that anymore. Yep. You don't <laughs> have that much
3: gold any further. Oh, the party needs horses. And the rogue's going, how much are they? Yeah, I got that <laughs> and some money for a wagon while we're at it.
1: <laughs> just holding it for you so your bags are lighter.
2: Yeah, let's talk about house rules. Oof. I mean, House rules can be good and they can be code for the GM making up whatever they feel like to suit the moment.
0: It strongly depends which ones. Depending on the system, I think they're necessary. So, I'm going to go into a place I probably shouldn't with this, but in D&D 3.5, fighters suck. So, oh, a redish I I know, I know. I'm treading a fine line here. What's that? Who upholds site rules again, Nathan? Okay, I know I'm treading a fine line here, but I'm just saying, if you're going to play 3.5, you got to do something so that when both classes hit level 20, the fighter doesn't just die to everything. you got to make some concessions where perhaps the game system is poorly
3: designed and fix those.
2: Or you could just play with players who don't abuse it. Well, sure, sure.
3: I don't understand that statement.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Unspeakable, I know you're watching this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm vaguely pointing to Merlana who plays a wizard and she's really smart and could probably abuse the heck out of all the things that a wizard can do. Sure, I I will agree that it does depend a lot on who you're playing with. In decades of playing a wizard, because she knows the fine line of every player having fun. I'm not
3: the only one that's sitting and waiting to just see a hand swing and hit up Eric upside <laughs> the back of the head. It's an invisible big speech. <laughs> well, Amy, it looks like you're replacing Eric from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The video won't come back.
0: That was awesome.
1: <laughs> well, there's also house ruling dear. Style of play to kind of tweak the tropes a little bit too. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, like I said, I do Am agree still that
1: lagging? I'm still lagging. Never.
0: <laughs> I do agree that it does depend a lot on who you're playing with.
2: But Wizards are the best class, and I will never say anything bad about them ever again.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>
3: Really want to see something just hit you from across the room.
2: That was funny. She's at least upstairs at the moment, but prestidigitation can do a lot of things. You know, we're gonna rat you out if she walks back through the room. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Can I be? Yeah, I've got a few
2: minutes before the next load of laundry. I hope. (laughs) All right, tropes. Moving on. So, what
0: about the railroading trope? I know we've talked about this before, but how do we feel about that one? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh.
3: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so well. I had to to be fair, it's the intro to Pond game which is introducing everyone to the setting
1: yeah you know what I' you get to the part no, right. okay.
0: okay, you guys did not get to the part where things actually open up so
1: you know what on intros to settings or things, I actually. Railroads may be your best option.
3: No, and there are... For beginners or certain elements... Actually, a great example is sandbox games. Especially when you've got a party that is new to sandbox games. They're not used to their decisions drive the action. They're used to getting prompts and hooks. An initial little minor bit of railroading or, you know, railroading with a couple branch offs that they can take can help start to guide that party into how a sandbox setting works.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I wrote a scenario for Living Grey Ock that was an introduction to Nyron, And it was the um, Rat Catchers Guild. You were in the sewers. It was a railroad, but it's a railroad to introduce you to the setting and that turned out to be the best option for level one characters and uh, trying to figure things out.
0: You know, actually that reminds me a little while ago, my brother's girlfriend was in town and she had never played D and She had played anything. So I found a one shot that was extremely heavily railroaded to help her learn the system and learn how to play. And, it worked really well so yeah there are definitely situations where it's necessary and i've actually put a link to that in the text chat if anybody wants to check out the adventure that i used it's really it's really funny and it's really lighthearted
2: it's a really good adventure <laughs> i mean we've all had that experience of the unrailroaded thing i'll go back to way back to metroid where if you didn't think about, hey, should I go left from this initial screen and go pick up this power-up that I didn't know existed, I'm not going to actually be able to finish the game. Oh, so almost
3: all 90s video game? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I'd like to point out, those of you that grew up with video games in the 90s, I'm going to do my walk back and forth uphill to school in the snow thing. 90s video games, for those of you that didn't grow up with them, they didn't give you waypoints, directions. They just kicked you. And then when you fell down, they kicked you again, over and over again. And, oh, you died again. <laughs> and sometimes okay. they threw in, you're out of lives. Start over.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is video games on the home console. What about for those of us who had to put quarters in?
2: Grandma, dollars on that D&D game, but I finished it.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that oh,
2: game. Oh, what was the name of that one?
1: Shadows Over Miss Mister, Mystera, or something like that.
3: Yeah, it was animated,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was four characters, and I love playing the Clara. Sticks to snakes!
1: I played the Elf Wizard because it was the only girl.
2: And we're lucky there were any girls at all. But
1: I love that game. I love that game.
3: I'd like to point out Mick the Rogue is on board with you, Amy, and Chimi wants to mention you mean ye olde microtransactions for 2000 <laughs> I, I can't argue that.
1: No, no you really can't.
3: And Landed's confirming Shadow over Mystera. That was
2: a good pull. Well done.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to find that. I actually want to buy one of those old video games for The Quarters. Of that Sh- Shadows Over Mistara and have it in my basement computer.
3: You know, yeah. Amy, we can just build you a MAME arcade. But so we're all coming over to your house once you have it.
1: Okay. I'll make I dinner. Can just
2: build another and another and another. Booyah. Next, we'll internet connect it so that we can play Shadows Over Mistara <laughs> in our own basements. And then then we'll have multiplayer online games. Huh. Amachi?
1: Meaving, weaving myths does craft?
3: <laughs> I mean, I've, a lot of the members have watched a good chunk of the staff and regular talkers play World of Worship, so honestly, it can't be
2: any. You mean Eric dies when his DD gets shot out from under him in the first five minutes of the game and then watches everyone else and laughs?
1: <laughs> okay, after the third was. Torpedo. DD
2: into you. Try, try something. Well, I mean, the number tangent. World War II DD was seven minutes in combat. So, yeah, pretty accurate.
1: Okay,
0: let's move on. <laughs> so, do you guys think we've covered the whole tropes thing, or is there anything else we want to talk about? Or, you know, Probably what that's not safe Stop Sorry. having fun. Okay, that one I do actually want to talk about. The stop having fun people. These are the people who are so knowledgeable about the system that they know how to hyper optimize everything. And anybody who does it not in the hyper optimized way is
3: not worthy of their time. Please don't be this person. Or if you are this person, make the character really damn funny to make up or
0: something. You know, just don't be that guy <laughs> or gal, as the case may be.
1: Yeah, that don't be kind that of, person. Yeah. Tabletop game I'm playing right now with my regular group. My husband is a paladin. Paladin who basically grew up in a commune is blonde to the core and has a sword that talks to him. There's nothing in 5th edition that really plays with this mechanic. And it took our GM, who is one of those type of people, a little while to come around to it going, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, okay, I can work with that. And now my husband, who you have to understand, is usually the straight man for everything, is the comedy gold of this campaign because it's Ravenloft and you need comedy in Ravenloft. But it took the GM a little bit of pushing, keep going, please let us play this, please let us play this. And without that character this would be a very dark and dreary and drudgery of a campaign so yeah please don't be that guy
2: <laughs> stop having fun Ravenloft is supposed to be dark and dreary and drudgery and no one's supposed to like it and by the way that paladin went insane in five minutes in second edition
3: <laughs> i'm sorry speaking of that game master right there right there folks yeah. that's the guy it's that's brilliant. the
0: guy get him <laughs> 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 oh my god
2: oh boy
1: see now one he of he's going to have his wife hop count. back on before he puts the picture back okay,
2: okay. so yeah, the part of eric will be played by someone better looking and blonde <laughs> okay not
3: so blonde anymore.
2: I got one last thing
0: and we're not going to tangent this time it's cute <laughs> how you say that as as hopefully point at you Colin <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you got it. So I there's one last thing. It should be noted that yes, there is a specific page for the tabletop RPG tropes, but any trope can be applied to anything. So, some of the best role-playing games are the ones that take tropes from other mediums and formats, do something cool with them and turn that into a game. So you can literally go on TV tropes, hit random trope and well, that's, first of all, very dangerous because you'll, that's how you'll lose the rest of your life. But also, that can give you ideas for games if you're struggling to come up with
2: something. <laughs> so you're basically saying that diving on that link is like a deck of many things. You could either have your soul sucked into oblivion or come up with a gem of an idea. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or There's no middle ground Diving there. onto that, diving onto that link is basically the trope of a three-hour tour. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's time for the game of the week, and we're going to try and make sure this works this time. Please work. Hey It worked! Hey. Yay! This week's game of the week is A Winter in London, being run by Elise de la Plague. I probably butchered that, and I'm so sorry. Set in the year 1904, the player characters are looking for a better lot in life. No matter their origin, reasons, or background, they're, they've decided to turn to a life of crime and reclaim the place in society that ought to be theirs. A Winter in London is a Blades in the Dark game, and Blades in the Dark is a system I know we've mentioned on the show in the past, and reading over the advertisement, it's hard not to be interested. The system is fairly easy to pick up, and the rules are available for free, so there is no reason to not give it a look. Applications for a winter in London close on November 23rd, so be sure to get those applications in quickly. I like when people do like this little in-character vignette type thing at the beginning of their ad to kind of like set the tone and explain the setting a little bit. Elise has done a really good job of like talking about everything you need to know and including links where necessary. So like the rules are available for free. Here's a link. Boom. And voila, we've got the rules. So this ad overall is really well laid out. I would maybe like to see a list somewhere of like, like a bulleted list of like, this is what you absolutely must do. But otherwise, I think they've done a really good job of explaining everything necessary. And the pictures are really pretty.
2: (laughs) I totally down for playing Blades of the Dark or we missed the tabletop at some point too. That setting just looks awesome.
3: I have no idea how crunchy it is, but I don't have the time to learn crunch. Be that player going? How do I do that? It's really not that bad, from what I've been able
0: to
2: tell.
1: Isn't it spinoff of like Dungeon World, I, uh, type of thing with playbooks?
2: Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, it's a powered by the apocalypse type
0: thing. So it's got a little bit of crunch to it, but I think it's definitely not like it's not like D and D crunchy.
1: No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's quite D and D crunchy. And I think, uh, I mean, the last one that was run looked really fun and i have peeked at this and keep peeking at it but haven't tried to make a character
2: now the book is 336 pages long but that's because it also includes the setting not just the core rules
3: that's fair so yeah
0: this is the game of the week and uh we'll be giving her a little medal later today
1: <laughs> yay you want a medal good <laughs> for you
3: gold sticky stars <laughs> All right, and back to us.
0: So now it is time for everybody's favorite segment of the show, the free-for-all, which is basically when I go on break, except a little bit more structured.
3: So You think that?
0: (laughs) So as always, before we get started, we have the mandatory question. What's making us happy this week? We're going to start with Colin. Oh, I
3: hate you. (laughs) I got a new printer. It's awesome. That makes me happy. (laughs) Because I can print 11 by 17 engineering prints now, and that makes me happy and dangerous. Happy engineers are completely safe. (laughs) Next, we'll do Chibi Amy.
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm doing this. This is awesome. (laughs) Even if my video's not working.
3: Well, we're very glad to have have you. That only works once.
1: Okay, fine. And and Thanksgiving's coming up, and... I finally talked everyone into letting me do the pies. Nice. nice. And, and I'm doing way too many.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Eric. The game is coming up next Saturday, and it actually matters for the first time in like a decade. So, which I is love that. how when you say it, we can hear the capital letter. Doggy. The, yeah, the game. All you other people can have college football, but this is the game.
1: I'll give you that, even though I'm not actually rooting for either team this year.
0: Which game is this?
3: Go <laughs> away, Nathan. Fall back under your rock. <laughs> I'm just so happy yep. that Merlanus said that while we'll Push to
2: Talk was held down. Yep, that's right. I held it down on purpose because I knew there was that's the mind yeah, meld thing. There's
3: snark coming.
2: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so if Nathan keeps avoiding the Michigan Ohio War, then he'll keep avoiding the Michigan Ohio State game.
3: Oh, that game. Okay. <laughs> Or as Maru Moriani points out, Nathan, you are part of the I mean my the parents United are both States. from Michigan, so kind of.
1: See, now I've got a whole different war that I fight over here. So and it doesn't matter to any of you. So I can live without that war. Not really, I'll probably watch it.
3: Never mind. Maru says you are part of this war because of your parents. Yeah, I guess so. It really can't be avoided one way or another. <laughs> You've got an admin and a mod that are emotionally invested. Oh boy, we'll drag you into that you admin. Screening. That yeah. admin doesn't even care about sports ball. <laughs> we'll All right, and for me, what's making me happy this week
0: is uh, we're doing weaving myths again. It's been yeah. a long time. Things have been kind of crazy. I got married. I did the thing. Got the ring. So yeah, it was, it was wedding awesome. was amazing. I got to hang out with Colin. That was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad to be back doing we
2: weaving, weaving it. This. make it. But they well, were there It's it's fine because I hear that Colin is hosting the Mythweavers Potluck. Yes. There is
3: no Myth Weaver's Potluck. They're all lying.
1: Well, that's why I'm making extra pies. I'm shipping them out for the potluck. <laughs> I'm
3: gonna oh, be down in Kentucky for Thanksgiving. We didn't say it was gonna be on Thanksgiving. <laughs> there is no potluck. So you say? Keep telling yourself that. And
1: when we all show up <laughs> with food, what are you going to do? We'll see. We're all showing up at Colin's house while he's in Kentucky for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and he <needs laughs> some
2: <gonna> free- come <laughs> back, the place will be trashed, <laughs> and there'll be like two slices of pie. What's your favorite flavor? We'll make
1: sure you eat that. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. save you and I mean,
2: it's all- I mean,
3: there's stiff competition for your pies, Amy. See, my cousins make key lime pie grown over in Connecticut in their dad's greenhouse. Fresh key lime. Freshly
1: roasted pumpkin pie and caramel Um, apple. In Connecticut.
2: Yeah. Fresh key lime. Yeah, fresh roasted pumpkin. I got to go with you there, Amy. We've done that every year that we've managed to save a pumpkin for that long. We didn't pack any this year, did we? No, we didn't because we didn't. Because this fall has been... Rainy. uh, Yeah,
1: that'd be one description of it. Chaotic. (laughs) Something about ripping out floors, walls...
2: Yeah, our dining room's not really in a state to host. But if you all want to come over, you're all welcome. (laughs) So now that we have
0: answered the mandatory question, um, we're now officially in the free-for-all. So people in the text chat, if you guys would like to ask questions, you're welcome to do so. I also want to do a quick plug... Down below the stream, there is a suggestion box, so there's a couple suggestions in there already, but if you have any suggestions for the show, if you have topics you want us to talk about, if you have, like, I don't know, an idea for uh, Weaving does tabletop or anything like that, you can put it down in the suggestion box and... I'll see them and people can like upvote it like you do on Reddit. I don't know how many people use Reddit, but you can like thumbs it up. And the more thumbs up something gets, the higher it is on the list. So. Except for rock, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Please give suggestions. I may run out of. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: Nathan. Yes. It is worth noting that I do not see a suggestion box in the Twitch Windows app. That's. The Windows app is not not good. Just tossing out for those of you that might be using that. Okay. You have to go to the Twitch
0: Yeah, you actually have to be on the Weaving Myths Twitch page on in an internet browser, but it shows up below the, the stream, and you guys can throw suggestions in there. And we're always open to suggestions. Um, we don't really get a lot, but I'm hoping we'll get more.
2: <laughs> All right, so Landed gives us our first real question. How do you feel about competitive Dungeons & Dragons, and how do you think the scene will grow in future years? I've heard about this. This is a thing I've heard about, but
0: I've never seen it done, and I don't understand how D&D can be competitive.
1: Okay, you're too young.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, this is competitive D&D goes back to the original tournament days, and man, I do not want to go back there because it was cutthroat people really really got too far into it so competitive DD, if you can make it like an esport where people like high five afterwards and walk away happy that's okay but when you're literally trying to run the game as fast as you can to just get to the end point or the various waypoints of the dungeon so that you can have the highest score that's not really to me what dnd is about which is a bunch of friends getting together and having a great time imagining.
1: They would run tournaments uh, of D&D at conventions. And they still do. Gen Con still runs tournaments. And yeah, it's interesting. It can be fun with the right table and it can be miserable with the wrong table.
2: Let's take competitive video games where we have people swatting each other because they're unhappy with how a particular mission went. I don't want to see that in my hobby.
3: That said, we are going a little too worldly talk. Sorry. It's fair, but...
0: All right, okay, moving when, on. When I think of D&D, I, I just want to throw this out there. I don't think of anything competitive. D&D is a collaborative, fun thing that you do as a hobby.
3: I don't need to compete with people about it. That's my two cents. <laughs> Nathan, question for you. Oh, wait, no, we've got another question from Chimi for Eric. Does Eric have stubby little fingers? And if so, why?
2: Yes. Genetics.
3: <laughs> there okay. we go. All right. Moving on to another question from Maru for Nathan. What was the most difficult part of making the world of besides the fact that it's still not finished. So
0: the most difficult thing about pond is it's big, like really big. So I tried to put this in perspective to, for people and it's, It's not easy to do because it's just a picture on a screen, right? But if you imagine the physical planet of Pond, if it existed, it would be 50% bigger than Earth. So the fact that it's so large and there's so many countries and places and, like, think about everything that our world has. And our world is the size of our world. There's so many things in that. And then take all of that and add 50%. So
2: it's... 50% more balkanization?
0: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. The people who have contributed to Pond have done an amazing job writing out some of the more important parts. It's the little things now. It's like the countries that don't really matter. It's the little details of, like, this city and this event. And the most... So ultimately, the most difficult thing about Pond is that there's so much of it and I can't do it by myself and I don't have enough interest to in people helping me with it. So
2: I guess there's several things that are pretty difficult about it. (laughs) Building a full campaign setting is hard. Yeah, I think there have been at least three attempts in the GM workshop on myth weavers that have just not really gotten more than 5% off the ground because there's so many details, and unless you have someone like Nathan who's just going to be the the organizational honcho to drive it, it's it just can't really be feasibly accomplished. The history of our world here, Earth, has taken thousands of years to get to the point where it is. You can't just generate that with a bunch of random table rolls.
3: It is worth noting, too, you know, there are some campaign settings that have gone on or are still being developed. So obviously Pond is a work in progress. I've of course got to throw out a Farland plug. So Farland has been with Mythweavers since it started. And Farland has been expanding this world. I think he started, did he start with 2nd Ed or 3rd Ed? It was 3rd Edition. Okay, but I mean Farland is, his world's been going for forever. Another notable toss out, it's moving a bit slowly, but Iron Blaze in the Mythweavers Discord kind of organized a group of some of our more terrifying members and started a crazy steampunk islands in the sky type world. So
0: it's a big project. And honestly, I'll be surprised if it's ever like in a state where I can happily say it's finished. But you're having some you're never happy. Well, yeah, but I mean, something about having something that I can go and work on, Every now and then when I just am don't want to work on anything else. Or, you know, sometimes I can just throw up a thread and be like, hey, I'm looking for people to help me out. And sometimes people will contribute. So, you know, it's it's a good, it's a good side project that I don't really figure will ever be finished, but you know, it's it's a good thing to work on. Continually growing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with people continually adding to it.
2: Ooh, Morrow has a great question. Would the addition of members of the Patreon community, specifically knowledgeable ones like Amy, be more common on Weaving Myths in the future?
3: Yes. Anyone that uh, tends to be active, we're starting the Discord is kind of changing how we do things with the community a little. And that's a great thing. But it's for the longest time when we still had the website before. The Mythweavers Discord became a thing. Well, it's an early history. Back in the early days of Mythweavers, we had a live text chat called the Shoutbox. And that was where you had current staff, admins, all that would be talking. Members of the community would be talking. Everyone got to know each other. Well, running... That Java applet back in 2008 was very resource-intensive and very expensive, and Rodrigo had to kill it to keep the site up. So that's the shoutbox is how a lot of us actually got involved with the site staff by getting to know everyone, getting involved in the community. Not to say there wasn't a community when that went away. It's just... Things moved slower. Conversation didn't happen as rapidly. And the addition of the Discord, we're starting to see a lot more of community members that are crazily volunteering themselves without realizing what they've gotten themselves into.
1: Whatever are you talking about?
3: (laughs) But we're starting to see a lot more members that are getting involved. So it's it's almost like a quasi-staff thing. They're helping support what we do on the website with the community. They're getting involved without becoming moderation.
1: All the benefits, none of the negatives.
3: (laughs) Until they open their mouths one too many times, and then they just get dragged into moderation. Usually I make it enticing.
1: Well, I gotta go. See ya.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She's
2: already got her camera off, so she can't pull the (laughs) trick.
3: I mean... You ask uh, Josh Rambika, you know, oh, you want to join the moderation staff? And oh, Oh, sure. sure. (laughs) (laughs) Josh
2: loves it.
1: Suckers.
2: (laughs) Man, all it takes is throwing one roll on her and she's done. I know, right? We could have this finished in a matter of a couple minutes.
0: So if I can throw something out there about the patrons... I want to let our patrons know that there are changes coming to the patron structure. There is, it's kind of been in the works for a while, but now that things are not quite as crazy for me, um, I am going to be reworking the rewards and changing the pricing structure a little bit. So nobody's pledge is going to go up first of all, unless you want it to. So let me throw that out there. But I have been talking with the staff about some of the, Rewards, and we have some cool ideas that we're going to try, and uh, that's coming probably in the next couple weeks. So,
1: and there is your hardworking, ever-working staff for Mythweaver.
3: <laughs> yeah, I prepare so much for the podcast. Oh yeah, we do oh, yeah. so much to get ready for this. Let me tell you.
1: Yeah,
2: we're doing a podcast today.
3: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, when you think about it, that goes back to episode zero. Yeah, we're just getting back to our roots here. Yep. And uh, for those that haven't listened to episodes,
2: don't. For the love of God, don't do it to yourself. It's like TV tropes. Just just don't.
3: It was, we hadn't figured out how to make it so others could hear. Like, you could only hear Nathan. No one could hear the rest of us. So it was us saying things and Nathan telling people what we said. I tell you what,
0: there's, there's quite a bit of software trickery going on in the background. That makes
3: this podcast possible. <laughs> In other words, Nathan learned how to use OBS Proficial. No, OBS is actually the easiest part.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, since you've uh, told us all about the wonderful things that are our Patreon, maybe we should plug those people who, uh, who make it so awesome. <laughs> oh, for us. hey,
0: there we go. Hey, that's a good transition. All right. Um, before we do, there's one last question that I actually am curious to the answer of myself. Eric, how did you come up with the name Mordi and why has it stuck for you?
2: Well, now if we want to go way back into setting creation, that name was back when I was the administrator for a now defunct multi-user dungeon called Castle Mud. And it was the one I selected for myself because it was less cheesy than Dark Shadow, which was my original angsty post-teen thing for my internet presence. But it still plays on... Darkness a little bit, you know, so that's, virtually
3: yeah. none of you remember my original username on the site, so we can leave it crew, Eric crew. Does,
2: Eric's old ancient, not quite as ancient as Colin whatever you gotta tell yourself, but <laughs> all right, uh let's move oh, on lawyer.
0: to the patreon plug so I would like to take just a moment to remind everyone that this episode of Weaving myths is made possible by our patreon for those of you that don't know. Patreon is a method for content creators to gain income through the support of those who consume the content. Our Patreon offers a multitude of ways to support the show, and you'll get awesome rewards, which are changing soon, for signing up at any of the tiers. Contributions start at as little as $1 per month. That will not be changing. So it doesn't take much at all to show your support. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com mythweavers. All contributions to the Patreon go to paying for online hosting of the show, which is actually changing soon. And supporting myth, the Mythweavers site, which is the site, obviously, that we are part of, partnered with. I can never determine if we're, like, partnered
3: with Mythweavers or part of Mythweavers.
2: We're a wholly owned subsidiary.
3: I'm an admin for Mythweavers. We're part of Mythweavers. Okay, fair enough. I'll. You're part of. You're okay. officially sanctioned, at the very least. All right, I'll have to change that.
1: Part the of script. the site, part of the what crew.
3: <laughs> one
1: of so,
0: us, one now. of yeah. us. Some exciting news, part of the upcoming Mythweavers story crafting contest is made possible by Weaving Myths patrons, so there will be some exciting prizes available because of that. We'll talk about more about that in a second. One last thing I should note, Weaving Myths is, always has been, and will always continue to be free, and signing up for the Patreon is never required. Full episodes are always uploaded to SoundCloud and YouTube within two days of the episode being recorded, and all normal episodes will always be available for streaming, down, uh, download, or streaming free of charge. So before we move on to talking about the story crafting contest, we do got to give some shout outs to our patrons, John D., Amanda C., Michael B., Jimmy C., Claire S. Somebody Changed It to Jimmy. Claire F., Amy G., Christopher M., and yeah. So those are some of the patrons that have subscribed at, I believe it's at least the $10 tier and higher. So thank you guys very much. You guys are amazing. We love you as always. So Colin... Why don't you tell us about this Mythweaver Storycrafting contest that's
3: coming up? I'm pulling up the uh, <laughs> drive document. One moment. So, starting December fifteenth, we are having our first ever Storycrafting contest. We've done other writing contests in the past. This one is organized. Big part of that reason is because Dalphinus, don't know if I pronounced that right, close enough. Who is a professional writer has been keeping us on track because she has run similar contests in the past. So starting December 15th and running through February 15th, people that want to participate will be selecting, well, they will be given a writing prompt. It's going to be a festival from a fantasy setting that doesn't have any background written for. It. And the goal for the contest is a short story contest with a 5,000-word count limit, and entrants will be writing a short story either about the origin of the festival or something happening during such a festival. And there will be grand prize. Currently, the grand prize is going to be a Farland campaign setting and a—I don't know if I want to say the other. No, leave it a secret. There's other good stuff coming as part of the grand prize. There will be more stuff. teasers.
1: Uh, Colin's eternal gratitude and a knitted beard to look like.
3: I've <laughs> got to do judging. There's no gratitude for.
2: Me.
3: I hate <laughs> judging.
2: Too bad I can't compete because that beard is just eerie. Battery. Yeah. No so, treat. speaking of ineligible people, all of the staff are not eligible to participate. Daphnes is also not eligible to participate, which is good because she's professional and she would clean all of our clocks. <laughs> um, but if as you, long have you are looked not at a the... published writer, you're pretty much free to jump in on this one. We actually did define published writer in the uh, uh, rules for participation, which are hopefully posted in the announcements section on the Mythweavers forum.
3: The rules for that aren't
2: out yet. But uh, there's a sorry.
3: preview if you've written sorry. two or fewer novels. You can participate three or more. You're on your way to doing the full-on indie author if you're not already. It's The competition gets a little unfair by that point.
0: All right. So, yeah. Cool. So, thank you, everyone, so much for joining us today. It's been a blast, and we appreciate all of the comments and questions from the text chat. As always, I'm Nathan, and I've been joined by the magnificent Colin. It's been fun, everyone. Amy. Bye! And Eric. So long, and thanks for all the games. Thanks for listening and keep on weaving those myths.